I could easily like, you know, when my deal's up, I could do something independently, but that's different. You know what I right. mean? And, and the fact that I can do this now in this part of my career is, is huge. And like, they want to make this a thing where like, you know, I'm able to release mixtapes as we go. And like, you know, like the acoustic albums, like it's a new, it's a new line of Kobe James kind of stuff that we're putting out. And I'm just very, very excited about some of that. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Drew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. My favorite winter activity mm. is indoors. <laughs> Napping. <laughs> oh, anything indoors, let yes. me tell you. That's right. Yeah. Where it's warm. That's right. <laughs> and let me tell you, that heat is cranked in the wintertime. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Dude, I feel that so much. Yeah. Oh, well, everybody. Hey, <laughs> welcome to episode 177. My goodness. 177. Can you believe it? Wow. Oh, my gosh. We're so happy to have you here in Between the Grooves, your weekly look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. And today, uh, who do we have today, JK? Listen, today we have an up-and-coming artist and producer. What am I saying? This guy's got like a top 10 song right oh, now. yeah, yeah. Kobe James, uh, this guy is, you know, a, a, just a kid in our eyes. But, <laughs> yeah, but can I yeah. tell you, this guy knows his stuff. Yeah, he does. And so this is a conversation we've been looking forward to sharing with you. That is coming up in just a bit. But before we get to it, we need to check in with Community Corkboard. Community Corkboard! You know, as a singer, <laughs> as a singer, you know the rules. You're not supposed to be taking a breath in the middle of a note like that. I, well, I was, that's part of the joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That yeah. was a joke, folks. It was a joke. It was a joke. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha. Thank you, Drew. Ha, 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 ha. Well, you know what? Um, uh, for the corkboard, some of our previous guests and some of my favorite people, they're doing a really cool Christmas thing this year. You hear about that? Yeah. they. Yeah. We got an email from Brian Dirksen and Marika Seward, yeah. both previous guests. That's right. And they're doing a Christmas special uh, that I thought was uh, a great idea. It's a it's a Christmas special. It's like a TV style yeah. uh, entertainment yeah. show with music and yeah. and conversations and and whatever you could almost call it a podcast, but it's not. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and basically they're doing this thing. Uh, it's it's called Christmas at Our House with Brian Dirksen and friends. Mm-hmm. And you can bet this is going to be something amazing. Yeah. Um, it's um it's basically like a concert it's a family activity it's something that you can get in on um it's basically a pay as you a pay whatever you can type event so pay whatever you can afford that's awesome um and it's going to be available december 20th i believe Yes, December 20th, um, and there's going to be a whole bunch of people performing. There's going to be uh, uh, some great discussion about Christmas. It's just the family style, um, you know, great way to kick off Christmas, in my opinion. Amazing. Um, We've been promoting it at the radio station, so if you are interested in getting tickets, 
I'll, I'll uh, pass it over to uh, joyradio.ca. Just check out the banner on that and there's a link and you can get tickets and whatever else. But I just thought that was a, a great idea to uh, totally. you know, to get into the Christmas spirit yeah. uh, with two amazing performers and uh, and their families. That's so, right. That's yeah. right. So, And those of you who are fans of Brian's, um, you might remember that he released a Christmas album not too long ago. La- it was last, last Christmas, right? Yeah, yeah. So, And we know how good that was. So I'm sure you'll hear songs from that album as well as many other tunes. So yeah, I think it's going to shape up to be a wonderful, wonderful event. Yeah, I'm really looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah. So, listen, I wanted to chat with you, Drew, about Spotify. Uh oh. We've talked about them before. Yeah. I read something last week, I guess. In the last in the last week or so, I read something about them appealing some kind of decision, some kind of agreement that was made between Spotify and what they pay out to songwriters. Oh my gosh. And apparently they're going to be, uh, they're planning, I guess, in the new year to appeal this decision that was made, uh, I don't know, two or three years ago about, you know, the increases that are paid uh, over the course of time to songwriters, the the percentage that they would receive out of the royalties and whatever. Hitting me. And I just, I just shake my head. Like number one, you know, why would you appeal something like that when you already agreed to it? Yeah. And you're already paying it. Yeah. And number two, the concern that is out there in the industry is that uh, are they going to try and claw back what they previously have paid to songwriters? You got... No! No! (laughs) Right? No. No. This could be a big mess. Could you... No. I'm... No. I'm really, really tired of people not making what they're... Uh, should be making, like in yeah. fairness. Yeah. You know, I understand Spotify. It's a business. Totally. There's a bunch of guys sitting around a boardroom table making financial decisions for the business. Yep. I personally think they need to be paying more to songwriters and to singers and performers and whatnot. Um, I know they're paying a whole bunch to, to labels already anyways, yeah. but I think the, the split isn't very fair. Right. Uh, and I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, if you're, if you're a singer, songwriter, and you're independent... Then you get all the royalties right. that they pay out. I should say, right, yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah. not all that's the money, right. but yeah, yeah, for whatever right. they pay out. But yeah. if you're just if if your livelihood is just a songwriter, for instance, so you're not a performer, right. you're not an artist, you're not recording stuff, you're just a songwriter. That part of it is, you know, not necessarily going to go up, right? Ever, yeah. Or you might have to pay some of that back if you've already been paid it if they're successful in their appeal. And I just look at it, and say, you know, I think the way. This needs to be treated as all of the big artists out there, the big ones. Yes, that's right. Should boycott Spotify. Yes. And I'll probably get yes. some hate mail, you know. Probably not. From Spotify. No, oh, whatever, <laughs> whatever. I mean, I mean, back in the early days of Spotify, that's exactly what happened. A lot of them boycotted because yeah. they were like, this is not right. Eventually, money talks and they, they signed up, all of them. Yeah. Um, but I think, but you're right. I think going back to that original protest, would really help and make it a long protest, not just so much a oh, I get a cool little payoff out of this. Oh, okay, it's cool, right? Because um, that's what happened. It was kind of like oh, well, hey Jay Z, how much money do you would it would be worth your while, right? <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm not sure how much these big artists get from Spotify. I, I know they get a significant amount, right? But percentage wise of of all of their income. How much is it? I don't know. I, uh, none yeah. of us would, you know, really no, know yeah, except exactly. them themselves. That's right. But if it's, you know, insignificant enough to boycott Spotify for a year, 
to let the independent artists at least have a crack, you know, because this is beyond just the songwriters. That's this, right. is, this is talking That's about right. the independent artists. I, yeah. I'm not suggesting the independent artists boycott Spotify oh, because they just simply can't afford to, even yeah. though they don't make enough anyways exactly. out of it. Yeah. It would be an insignificant protest as far as Spotify is concerned. But That's if the right. big guys out That's there right. would, would boycott and understand that if it weren't for the little guys, they wouldn't be big guys. That's right. Right. Then maybe they'll get somewhere and, you know, even the playing field a little bit as far as, you know, compensation for, for your music. Something needs to change and it needs to change quick. Because Spotify is helping the music industry and completely ruining the music yeah. industry at the same time. For, from a listener standpoint, it's great. It's you fantastic. get all this choice. It's you know? amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But as an artist, it's rough. Yeah. It's hard. Now, imagine if Spotify came to us and offered us a job or or became a sponsor. Um, we'd have to change our tune. <laughs> we love Spotify. <laughs> Spotify is the best. We worship Spotify. No. <laughs> But I don't think it's going to happen. No, no, no. Although. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to get into our conversation with Kobe James. Uh, This guy, a young artist, uh, he produces his own stuff. He's signed with Centricity. And we're going to talk about uh, what life has been like for him (laughs) at at such a young age, being signed with a label and producing his own stuff and coming out with a hit song that's on the charts. I mean, kudos to him. So let's get into this conversation with Kobe James. Game over for me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, we're on the same page here. I I like that. I love it. Um, Mr. Kobe, Mr. Kobe, I got a a question for you. Let's go. Here we go, man. So, uh, I was uh, was reading sort of the bio, and the bio was kind of written, I guess, before your self-titled record that came out, the EP came out. And it talks about how Mm -hmm. there's um, some John Mayer influences and some Ed Sheeran influences. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I can hear, I can feel that, I can feel that. And then, you know, listening to Homesick, which came out, you know, not too long ago, I'm like, wow, this is, this is great. But I feel there's actually like when I'm looking, I always look for influences. I kind of like, Oh man, where, where do you get the idea for that? I feel like a big Sean Mendez kind of vibe. I'm curious yeah. when you were writing, when you were creating, yeah, who was kind of like, you know, who, who, what kind of sounds were you kind of borrowing from and, and who are the influences for Homesick? Cause it's a, first of all, it's a great record. But I was like wondering, oh, yeah, I feel that Shawn Mendes kind of vibes. So like, what, what? who was it for you? Who were the artists for you? Definitely to Homesick, for sure, was Shawn Mendes. Uh, his song, Mercy, yes. that piano ballad he did, was uh, a big inspiration for that song. Also, Lauren Daigle had a big inspiration on it, just because I loved some of her like last records being a lot like of piano and a lot of that vibe. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was definitely some of that, but for sure, Shawn. Like, I get a, a lot of Shawn Mendes comparisons, and, you know, rightfully so. Uh, we have a very similar vibe and, you know, he's a, a freaking a talented artist and he's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, definitely Shawn Mendes for sure. Hang on, hang on a second. He's saying he's a talented artist and here we have an 18 year old that's got a song in the top whatever charts right now. Um, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what in the world? Whatever. <laughs> Do you feel, I remember uh, there's a song on uh, the first EP, I think it was No Trouble, I think it was. And, you know, and so um, when I think about the, the themes of that, kind of like uh, just, just wanting to sort of stand your own ground and be your own person, uh, do you feel the pressure to kind of conform? Do you feel any kind of pressure to kind of 
to, especially in the CCM world where it's, you know, it's, it's not that it's a crazy genre to work in, but there's definitely a lot of big hitters. And sometimes, you know, you want to sort of be seen and be heard. Do you feel the pressure to kind of conform one way or to the other? Or you do feel pretty confident that no, you can create your own path and go. Because sometimes that's um, hard. <laughs> it is hard. No, no kidding. It's hard. Um, I mean, Drew, probably out of anybody, you know that you know the CCM world is very cutthroat when it comes yeah. to like what you say, how you say it, sonically how it sounds. Like it's a hard, uh, it's a hard game to like do something different in yeah. and like try like something new and like. But you know, um, I definitely found that it comes down to the label, and my label has been amazing with helping me just like you know, explore and create. And like, they keep, they keep me confident in what I'm doing. And like, they're like, we will push something if we like it and we love it, no matter how it sounds or like, so they're just amazing. And I think that, that has given me all the creative freedom I've ever needed, you know? And also it's great to like, like you're a self-produced dude. Like that's sometimes these, sometimes, sometimes labels will say, oh, that's cute. You produce. That's nice. Right. Here, We're gonna, here's our people. Yeah, here's <laughs> our people. So you're going to work with Ed Cash. You're going to work with all the, uh, but But they're like, no, man, oh, you, yeah. you got the skills. You got the goods. Do your thing. That's right. That's, that's, a, that's a big thing. That, that, me, that, that means that you're not just an artist who produces, but you are a producer who's also an artist. They, they, give, they, they, they see your see gift. And that's how I see it sometimes. It's more of a producer than an artist. Yeah. Um, and it's fun because like that side of the brain, like, takes over sometimes in sessions and like, you know, I'll like end up forgetting that we're writing a song and I'm like, well, let's dial in this like snare drum really quick. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of how it, how it goes sometimes, but like, um, the, the producing, the self-producing side of things like is like my honestly my love with all of it. Like I love producing for other people and, um, I like, I love just producing on my own. Like I did the whole acoustic album and, yeah. um, stuff. I do a, a couple of, I've done a couple songs just like completely on my own. And like, you know, it, it's a, it's a really fun vibe, you know, to do. So do you actually have more fun producing than you do like producing for others, I guess, than doing your own stuff? Well, no, because when you produce for others, generally you've got to find what they're looking for. Like I generally have them like lay, lay out like, you know, five to you know, five to six artists that are like who they love. And that's a really good way for me to like sonically like chase down like their vision or what they want. And then for me, it's like, Oh, well, if I want to do something that sounds like Prince or I want to do something that sounds like Michael Jackson, like I can, you know, um, it's a, it's a little bit more freeing, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you ever get noticed by record labels? Cause you were, you were chatting with a few, but you got to get to a point where they're actually interested in you as well. I mean, were you cold calling or did something happen that kind of turned the tables a little bit and, and allow you to have them, you know, interested in you? Yeah. Well, so I came to Nashville with my now manager and he just put me in a few sessions. And in those few sessions, we wrote what is now the, the Kobe James EP that's out and that you can listen to. And um, we started giving that to labels to just check out and hear and they really liked what they heard and, you know, labels are never going to make a jump so quickly ever um, because, you know, they've got a lot of people looking at, they, they're a machine, they take a while to move, everybody's got to be on board. Um, but later on in the year, I, I got a tour with Danny Goki and um, he ended up, because my manager knew his manager and they were looking for an opening act and they just submitted my EP and they were like, here, just check them out. And Danny was awesome. And he was like, yeah, like I would love this kid to come out with me. And I had no pull. I mean, I still don't have a ton of pull, but I, I didn't have, 
pull to like bring in an audience for him at all. It was all just out of the you know kindness of his heart, letting me have that opportunity, which was just amazing. And the labels saw that and really started hopping on. So that's when all the showcases started. And I started going to each label and showcasing and, and playing for them. And just like, you know, they were asking questions and Centricity was one of those labels. And uh, then about halfway through that, Centricity started really like pouring in. And I was like, I just need to be a Centricity. And then they were going to sign me earlier, but because of my birthday, I was 17 at the time and I was going to be 18 in December. And they were like, you know what, let's just sign you uh first of the year because that'll just we won't have to re-sign you because there's another deal that you have to do you know when you turn 18 right um i understand that you kind of felt a little uh off with your first meeting with john mays the senior vp of (laughs) anr um does does he actually does he actually like you now (laughs) that's so funny how did you hear that that's hilarious (laughs) um yes so with john I didn't think he liked me. Me and my manager walked out of the first meeting like, he's not into it. He doesn't, he, he just, this was like a courtesy thing. He was not into it. And then he started DMing me on Instagram and was like, you know, I really want to get lunch. We can back in town. Like, let's keep, and he was the only A&R to truly push hard and like act like he really wanted me. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. Like super, super cool. And we met him again. And I mean, he was just on fire. I think it was just like, I think we just read him wrong. I really do. And now he's like one of like, I meet with him every two weeks for lunch. I'm getting lunch with him tomorrow. Like I meet with him every few weeks and we like talk and we'll talk for hours. And we have like our favorite place. We go get Mexican food. Like it is so, he's the kindest person you will ever meet. I mean, he's the most genuine and kind person you'll ever meet. Absolutely. Got to say what you're saying there is whether you're an independent artist or you're signed with a label, it's all about relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, I mean, he's a senior VP at Centricity and you guys are getting together. I mean, that says something right there as far as the value that you give to them. But also, um, you know, I, I guess I guess if you're going to move forward in your career, if you weren't doing that, you probably wouldn't go very far. Well, that's very, very true. I mean, um, getting to know the people on your team is huge. I mean, mm. I could just let you know, my manager or whoever just like have the relationships and I can just make the music. But like at the end of the day, they have to like you and like, I want to like them and I want to be, I want, I want the team to be collaborative. I want, like I, we just had a, I had a lunch with Steve Ford uh, a couple weeks ago and we were talking and I was just telling him some of the things that I'm working through as an artist. Like I really want to be artistic. I want to pour into like the art side of things, but I feel like I'm always running for radio. And he was like, well, would it be cool if we like released a mixtape of just whatever you wanted to put on it? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, done. And like that, that would have never happened. I wouldn't have a mixtape that I could, you know, release in January or, or either first of the year ish, you know, without having those conversations with him. And like, you know, he cares about me. I care about him. And it's, it's that community that really like helps an artist's career, like move forward. Can, can we, hold on. Can we double back to that mixtape idea? Can can you? This is this is exciting. Hold on. Okay, so describe what. what well, hang on, Drew. Do you have a Do you have a mixtape? I got many mixtapes, baby. Come on now. Yeah, but on. publicly listen to mixtapes. No, no, that's what no, I'm saying. I don't do that. Yeah. I don't do that. But no, but uh, like, this is that's really cool. Okay, can you um t- tell us more about this? Because this is this is fascinating to me, especially. Sure. Yeah, like this is great. Go for it. Yeah. So basically. Um, we write for radio a lot and there's lots of songs that we, we push for radio and that's, you know, that's the whole side of its own, but, but there's the side that like the songs that, I mean, I've written so many songs as all artists have, you know, 
written so many and like there's so many songs that speak to me and I love like that are a little more progressive like CCM wise like sonically or lyrically you know like they're 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 pushing the boundaries a little bit more and they won't ever see the light of day on radio but streaming is a whole nother world and we were like well let I, I mentioned something to Steve and he was like he was all for it and, and the label's now all for it and they were saying like we could put like I'm I'm me and John are going to A&R it together. So like, I'm going to definitely put forward the songs that I want. And then we're going to pick from them, which ones we want out. And then we're going to push it on streaming and see, you know, how we can utilize that platform. Um, which is, I sometimes I feel like not used as much as CCM. And I feel like it'll be a really cool way to give the fans music, um, the people music that like, you know, I love and I can play all these live on stage and it'll just be a really, really cool It'll be cool to have these songs pushed by a label, you know? That is, like, this whole idea is so progressive thinking. Um, I don't see that a whole lot from from labels. Well, uh, from a label, I would agree. I think the fact that you take songs that wouldn't necessarily see the light of day on radio and you push it on streaming, what happens a lot is it gets so popular on streaming that radio picks it up. Right. That's right. Well, that's the hope. That's you know, the hope. what exactly. if something raises its hand, you know, of course they're going to push it. And so it's like it's giving those songs that are more of a risk a chance. And that and that's the thing. That's what I like about it. Because usually what happens is that and then you know this, but like, um, you know, they, they, they go for the safe bets. Yeah. Right. It's, sure. all, it's always yeah. the safe bets. Yeah. This is like, OK, let's just put out the songs that we just think are cool. Not that they're going to be hit makers, though they might be. Let's just put out the songs that we that we are resonating with in a really cool way. And let's see what happens. Yeah. That is that's, right. that's again, <laughs> that speaks so highly <laughs> of how much this label respects your artwork and your artistry and who you are as a creator, because you don't hear that. You don't like I rarely hear that from independent artists. Sure. All the time, but not from a label based artist. That's amazing, man. Yeah. I'm just so, so pumped to have the opportunity that they're like, you know, giving me and, you know, I'm I'm trying not to let them down with it because it's it's a pretty cool deal. I'm excited. Very, very excited about it. I will say the problem with radio, if if you've just if you're just promoting your songs to radio and that's the only forum that people have to listen to, it kind of puts any artist in a box because there's so much more that they can do. It's like you, Drew. You come up with a radio hit right. and and then but you've got all this other stuff that you've done. And if nobody knows about that, uh, then you you know you're in a box as an artist. Right. Uh, and so that that's that's really cool that you've got that opportunity and the labels behind you. That's the biggest thing here. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because I could easily like, you know, when my deal's up, I could do something independently, but that's different. You know what I mean? And and the fact that I can do this now in this part of my career is is huge. And like, they want to make this a thing where like, you know, I'm able to release mixtapes as we go. And like, you know, like the acoustic albums, like it's a new it's a new line of Kobe James kind of stuff that we're putting out. I'm just very, very excited about some of that. So with everything that's going on with centricity and and your music stuff, what does what does school like look like for you? Like are you done school or you're still gonna you know be doing some stuff? Are you pause that for now? What's going on? So basically, um I graduated early because I was homeschooled hmm. and I ended up moving to Nashville um around March, March eighth ish, I think. And um I moved here right before the pandemic hit and everybody locked down. And so um yeah, like basically school I'm not gonna go to college because, you know, this uh Steve Ford, the uh, GM at the label, really likes to say that this is my college. You know, like this hmm. is 
the four years that I'll be learning and, and learning to produce, learning to write, learning to be an artist, learning to tour. And then at the end of these four years, you know, I'll have a music career, a substantial music career. And, you know, I, I think that's a really cool way to look at it. Absolutely. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't, at school, I mean, you could go to school for music, but, you know, I don't know many people that went to school for music that it actually helped us so much unless you're teaching, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and how many people can go to school and get paid at the same time? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like yeah. when I when I went to radio college. I mean, if I could get a radio job on the side, go to college, do the radio show and everything else, and pay for my college and make some money, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't often happen like that yeah. for people, which is awesome to hear for you. Definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So, what was it like to tour with Danny Goki on the Hope Encounter tour? Oh man, it was unbelievable. I mean, so this is something that I when I was like fifteen, fourteen, like. All I wanted to be was an artist that toured. Like, I would like, I was so annoying. I would like DM Torn Wells. I'd DM Danny Goki. I'd DM everybody. Like, hey, like, check out my music. Here's some stuff that I made in my bedroom. Like, here, if you have any openings on a tour. I mean, I was, I was, I wanted it so badly because this is like all I wanted to do with my life. And um, when I got the tour with Danny, or well, when I knew I was in like the top five or two of him picking who was touring, I was playing uh, at my church. I was on the youth band stage. It was practice. And um, my manager called me. I was like, what? And we were like in between songs or whatever, like talking. And so I like picked up the phone and he said that I was like up for that. Like almost like it could have been a guarantee that we were going to get it. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like freaking out. And basically like I went out there, my manager came out for like two or three dates. And then I was just on my own for like the whole, the whole rest of the tour. And like, it was an unbelievable experience. I mean, going all throughout the East Coast, different state every day. I mean, you know, you'll be in Florida one day and Pennsylvania the next. I mean, I was getting sick left and right because it was like 80 degrees, then it was 40 degrees. But like, it was just, I mean, it was the coolest thing. I made so many friends. Um, I was on the crew bus. And so um, the crew is so, so much fun because Danny's band and Danny, they all go to bed early. But the crew and like the um, uh, child sponsorship people like stay up all night like playing games and like just like telling stories and i mean it was a 17 year old stream i mean it, was, it genuinely was being on a tour bus and like and like seeing people every night and like hearing people just say how much my music has affected them even at that like stage in my career like being as small as i was people telling me that like my music affected them was like crazy and it was the first time i'd ever heard that and like it was a powerful feeling and a powerful, like, it just made me feel like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and like saying what I was supposed to be saying. And, um, touring is unbelievable. And it's like the best part of music. I think I will say this about Danny Goki. He is very organized and, um, <laughs> and, and plan and plans for his shows. I mean, to the point where they're weeks in advance before, you know, uh, a series of shows happens. He's got the band rehearsing. They've got the lines and the tape on the ground, uh, rehearsing moves. Oh, yeah. You know, if they're going to be singing uh, together, synchronizing, you know, uh, yep. dance moves or whatever else. That, I mean, he's really serious about this. So were you part of some of these pre-rehearsal uh, things as well? I was. So there was um, a sound check. Well, not a sound check, but like a couple pre-rehearsal shows like at this building that um, is in Nashville. I think it's where most people do the, the pre-rehearsal shows, but it was like a warehouse basically. Um, and I like, I went there and I, I mean, I was, my pre-rehearsal show was me coming out on stage with my acoustic guitar and like, you know, playing four songs like i didn't have like any dance moves or any anybody else with me <laughs> on stage so my pre-rehearsal was pretty quick i was pretty like in and out 
but um Danny's stuff I mean it was just like jaw dropping I mean the lights and the 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 synchronized dancing with everybody and just like how put together it was I mean Danny is um he's definitely organized like when it comes down to it like he wants everybody to know their stuff and like if something goes off like he gets thrown off he wants everything to be like to a T on point and like I really appreciate that about him because like you know most of the greatest artists like Prince and people like that like you know had their stuff together Mm -hmm. and Michael Jackson Michael Jackson Prince was more actually you know crazy and he would change things up each night Michael Jackson like had his stuff together there wasn't anybody like getting out of line and and you know the the way Danny goes about that is just pretty inspiring. And, it, and when I have a full band and a and a and a team like that, like I really want to have it kind of like that and model it after that because um, the way that everybody moved on stage and felt at home, like you know, you could tell that they weren't even there. They were just muscle memory. It was happening, and like it was it was a cool thing. It really was. And they do it over and over and over again till till it's memorized and it's it's you know it's in their brains. Uh, he even hires uh, choreographers and like you say, practicing with the lights and everything else. Like everything is synchronized. Everything is down to a T. And they do it over and over again. And this is like they do this full time for like a couple of weeks before a big show, like before they go on tour or something like that. So yeah, I was, I was a little curious because I knew obviously it wouldn't be as as big a deal with you if you're just going up with an acoustic guitar but you're still part of the show so you'd need to know what was going on definitely yeah it was wild it was really cool i would love to be on one of those tours oh man just, come on just hanging with the guys and and stuff <sighs> come on and the guys on. on the tour bus they have some fun too like i've seen some some stuff that danny's posted as far as you know oh, them yeah. goofing off and and things as well They're a good time yeah but a great a great artist to be associated with because he does have high standards and certainly a guy like you would learn a lot from him I definitely learned a ton just with all of it. And like, it was, it was an experience that like I'll never forget for sure. That's awesome. Man. We had Danny on, on this show right in the first year, in the first six months, I'd say, mm-hmm. really? I guess it was. And uh, we got to bring him back. And I've said this before to you, Drew, like we, we really need to get Dan- Danny back. Oh yeah. Um, and, and a few others that we've had. We, we rarely repeat guests uh, just because there's so yeah. many people to talk That's to. Right. right. So in three and a half years of doing this, we've had, you know, I don't know, close to, Maybe getting close to the 200 mark as far as uh, guests that we've had. Really? Yep. And, and rarely do we have a repeat. And it's not because we don't want repeats as much as there's, there's tons of people that we haven't talked to yet. That's right. In fact, we have people Absolutely. coming back to us saying, Hey, when can we be on again? Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Listen, Cope, so you're you know you're you're a producer, and I'm uh you know you, you say bedroom studio, but I, I I've seen your studio, man. It's 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 you, you got you got some gear there, brother. You're not this is not some kind of like, you know, you with like a like a four track tape machine. You got some, you got you got the gear. You got some some good I got equipment. The gear, you, I will let all that, but come on, man, baby, um, come on, man. You know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, my um, it's good setup. So a lot of the money that I got from the advance we just ended up doing studio gear and that was kind of like where smart we pour that into because we figured like that's going to get our most return. And yeah. you know, I got, uh, I, I was actually for until I got signed, I was working on a 2012 max mini and it <laughs> yep. was like, man, when I say slow, let me tell you, like pulling up like contact was a chore. It was like, <laughs> it was not easy. And so, uh, I went from that to like, I, the, like the, the top of the line, like MacBook, like pro, like, yeah. like it's like maxed out and like, 
man, like it is like luxury compared to that. Like, I mean, it's just, it's so cool. And it uh, changes the workflow so much. Like I just get things done so much quicker, but like, um, yeah, my dad came up, uh, I, I'm living in a house here in Tennessee and my dad came up for like three days and helped transform like one of their bedrooms into like this awesome studio. He made like sound panels and he's like, my dad's got an art degree in college, but he's like, just, he can make anything. I mean, literally anything. And you know, there's like barn wood and he like tricked it out. It's really, it's really cool. He's such a cool dude. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So when you're diving into like production, like, um, were there any producers that you really enjoyed learning from? Yes, absolutely. So I do a lot of work with a producer. His name is David Spencer. And, um, I love David because yeah. he's not with a publish. He's not with a publishing company. He's not with a label. He's independent. And what makes that nice is that there's no like, there's no A&R speaking into his ear. There's no anything like that. He's just like there to create. And also he has done a lot of pop stuff. Like he was uh, early with Jacob Whiteside. That's right. When Jacob Whiteside and Shawn Mendes were like neck and neck on That's the same right. kind of tours and stuff. Um, he was big with Jacob and he has had some, you know, pop radio success and stuff. So he, I, my sound is very pop when it comes to the sonics and, you know, my instincts are very pop and the way that I do things are very pop because that's the music that I love, like the sound of and the vibe of. And so he's been amazing to just learn from. He uses a, he's the only person in Nashville I know of that uses a, a doll called Cubase, which is the weirdest doll ever. Yes. Um, and he, he like, he says Zed uses it. So that's why he uses it. But like, it's the weirdest doll ever. It's not weird. Um, it's just, it's just old. No, well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's old. I mean, I've got yeah, it. Yeah. I've got it in my home sure, studio. Do, I don't use it very often anymore, but it, but it's there and it it's works. Been, it's been on for a while. Yeah. 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 It's definitely been around for a while because he learned on it and he's just like, you know, I know it so well. I just don't have time to relearn something else. And I, I totally get that. So do I. And yeah. like, you can vocal edit on something like that so fast. It's like, why mess with anything else? I use, um, studio one, which yep. is like, I would never change from it because I just like, I have like this, like, great workflow in that dawn like it's just yeah. amazing but he has shown me so much just like plug-in wise like i mean i had i i'd known a little bit but i was always using a lot of stock plugins a lot of things because i just didn't have a ton of money to blow on plugins and he um so i could definitely figure out like which ones i needed for the most like which ones i, I was going to utilize the most and you know his instincts are are super super cool and now like you know, I'm finding like where, like, I'll tell him to like, Hey, like, Hey Dave, let's do this. And he'll be like, Oh, I'm already doing it. And it's like, Oh, that's just kind of cool. Like <laughs> we've we kind of, we're adapting the same instincts and it's really cool. And he's just poured, he's poured into me more than anybody in this town has. And like genuinely cares about like the artistry and like what I do. And like, we did the whole first EP. Like he helped me like, just like learn how to like do stuff and like write. And he's just been amazing. So he has been the number one, like just person that's poured into me. That's funny because that's actually how I discovered you. Um, because, really? Because I followed David Spencer on Instagram and I remember he posted a, a picture of you. This was months ago, man. This was like, I don't know, summertime. I can't remember what it was, but he posted a, a picture of you. I was like, oh, who's this kid? And you know, you follow the links and then you go to Spotify and you're like, ah. So yeah, that's actually, yeah, he's incredible. He's, he's doing amazing work. He is, uh, I think I heard, I heard about him through Hunter Hayes, I think. Um, yeah. Cause I think he did some stuff with him and I think he did like, yeah, yeah. uh, the, the Songland TV show. He's, he's great, man. He's so, so good. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. He's Nashville's hidden gem. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to start taking off like a lot more so than he even already has in the next 
you know, few years, I think he's definitely, you know, he deserves a lot more, you know, praise and recognition because he's just phenomenal. That's so good. So you were mentioning software, Drew. Is there, is there a preference you have as far as what you use when you're recording? Um, I use yeah. Cubase actually. Um, yeah. I still got it, but yeah. I don't use it very often. My, I use Audition and for for radio, Audition is the way to go. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I use Cubase, um, and then uh, I had my album on Cubase, and then when I got signed onto a label, um, and I had to sort of redo some stuff, they made me learn Logic Pro. Okay. And so um, interesting. And so I was like, okay. So I I got a copy of that. And I've been using Logic Pro ever since. And you haven't gone back to Cubase at all? No. no okay. No, no, no. I, I was I was doing some recording, uh, doing some voiceover work. This was probably last year or something like that. And for whatever reason, I was having some problems with Adobe. Hmm. And so, and I, you know, I was on a time crunch. So I just reverted back to Cubase because, yep. you know, the knowledge never goes away. That's right. Did my recording and it's not like it's going to sound any different or anything like that. It's just a different software mm-hmm. and you can still get it in the same file format that you need it at the end of the day. And so I used the Cubase and I was like, oh, I remember this. Oh, hey, I remember this. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. That's so, so good. So uh, if you were to tell us right now, who is your, uh, who is your favorite artist of all time? Oh, jeez, man. Goodness. Wow. That's all, like, wow, you're going to hit me with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, well, it, it's changed over over time. I've definitely had, like, lots of artists, like, his influences. Like, John Mayer, I think I didn't listen to another artist other than John Mayer, like, last year. I'm pretty positive. Like, Spotify, like, I listened to it for, like, 500,000 hours or something. But, like... <laughs> Um, it's like John Mayer was like genuinely like I grew up listening to him like we at the lake my dad would always have him like on the boat I didn't even know who John Mayer was when I was a kid but he was just always around and so when I got into him like I already knew a lot of the songs and like you know the theory behind like his music and the acoustic guitar playing and the electric guitar playing and like just how how great he is at that like that's always been my favorite thing about him and um, so John Mayer early and, and still John Mayer but I've, I've definitely I've listened I like a lot of like Sean Mendez is great. Um, his new album is like super, super cool. That's coming out slowly and uh, will be out like in December, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for that. I learned how to sing by listening to Sean Mendez because um, I, my voice was like, I struggled with my voice out the gate, especially um, because like it just like puberty like messed it up. And like I just always does. I eh? know how to think. That, that, darn, puberty, that darn puberty. Let me tell you. It's, it'll get you. It will. It'll get you. It got me bad. <laughs> But like, um, and, I had an auto tune can't fix thing. that. No, it definitely can't. <laughs> no, and that's the, that was the issue. And so Sean had a very similar voice to me. So I found myself listening to a lot of him to like, because I'm good at imitations and, and mimicking. And since we our voices were basically the same when it came to like just our tone and all our right. range and all that, I could kind of hear how he was doing things like healthy, and I could kind of try to figure out how he was doing that, where he's placing like spots of his voice and so a lot of listening to Sean Mendez vibrato and all that came from like listening to him and and trying to like learn my voice better um and so I love Sean Mendez and, and vocally what he does and, and a lot of his artistry and then Ed Sheeran has been huge for songwriting and like I just love Ed Sheeran and then Michael Jackson is huge just because I love like the dance music to it and like just how like in, like how progressive it was for the time and how like he made an album with hit after hit after hit after hit, like every song charted. I mean, it was, it was just an unbelievable, and you know, he wrote 300 songs for it. And so he just inspires me as an artist to push harder, 
and to write more songs to get to the better ones. And mm. like Michael Jackson is definitely a big, big inspiration. Um, Queen, Prince, all those kind of, you know, legends. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're big for me. And, um, you know, and you had, then I like a lot of, uh, I was uh, going to say, you, you had me at Michael Jackson and Queen. Those are probably in the top three for me. Lauren Daigle as well. Absolutely. Just, I love her voice. I mean, are you going to, do yeah. you think you'll get to the point, Kobe, where they, where they have to shut down a mall for you to go shopping like they did with Michael Jackson? Oh my I don't know about all that. That'd be a lonely oh place to live. I, oh, love I know. People, that'd be, that'd be hard. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. That, that was probably the hardest thing for Michael Jackson. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, the man actually. had to wear disguises. He had to dress yeah. up as an old man to walk anywhere. Yeah. Once you get to a certain level, uh, it's, you know, pr- privacy, but also, you know, friends. Yeah. Sense like, of isolation that yeah. you have to go through. Yeah. 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 And and the it, it's almost like, because I was reading an article about, you know, the U.S. presidents and, and the even when they're not president anymore, what they have to go through. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, their their telephone calls and, and uh, mail correspondence and all that stuff is monitored. They still have the Secret Service working with them, mm-hmm. but they they don't lead a very private life. Even though you would think they do, uh, they've got p- people all over them watching them, and and you know, and they even supposedly get some of the um, the safety and uh, um, you know the the sensitive reports. Um, you know, they're still in the loop on a lot of that stuff. Right, yeah. And part of the reason for that is yeah. so a current president can go back and ask for advice on something and not think that they're talking about sensitive information or whatever. So, you know, for a guy like Michael Jackson, I, I, I felt sorry for the guy half the time, but he was brilliant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he was he was so isolated and somebody being that isolated. I mean, you know, who knows what that would do you mentally? I mean, I, I just hate it. And I felt bad for him because he had been in the spotlight since he was a child and like you know he was everybody's favorite kid you know back when he was a child like you know singing with the jackson five and like i mean he never knew life without being on stage and like that's what made him i mean that's the price to make a machine so amazing at what he does but is it worth it at the end of the day because there was no luxury of life you know exactly yeah so what do you do then to stay sane and and say uh, and stay uh, grounded, I guess, because you know you're you're relatively young compared to a lot of the CCM artists out there. Uh, what do you do to somehow lead a lo- normal life at times? Luckily, I'm not Michael Jackson, so I can walk well, around not yet, the yeah. mall yeah. and places like that, which is helpful. Um, I think on tour is when you kind of feel a little more isolated and a little more like you know, nobody gets me and I'm just uh, like, because, you know, it, 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 it's, I mean, I'm very, very, I'm a small artist, so I don't deal with a lot of that at all. But like, you know, I think a, a big part is like, you know, I, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm the youngest person in most rooms I walk in session wise and, and whatnot. So a lot of my friends like are, it's hard. It's been hard for me to make a ton of like good friends that are 18 because most 18 year olds are in college or finishing senior year of high school or whatever. And so it's like, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a disconnect sometimes, you know, and, and that's part of it. And so a lot of my friends are like 26 or 32 and have children or, you know, it's like, it's kind of, but, but, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways, God has us in, you know, seasons of life with less friends or more friends and we can grow in each of those seasons. Like, you know, I've been, I've been dating a girl, so I've been able to pour into, you know, that relationship more. And, 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 you know, when you have friendships, those friendships are relationships and they take up time as well. And you have to prioritize them. And, you know, it's been a long distance relationship with this girl. So that's been helpful to just, you know, grow in that and learn in that. And, 
um, you know, there's, there's, it, it's hard though. It is hard to stay sane sometimes and feel like, you know, I've got people around me cause, um, I, I have a roommate that moved in a few, a few months ago and he's become one of my best friends. Um, he's a great guy and he actually plays guitar with me. Um, there's a couple recent shows we've done like virtual shows that he's played with me and he went to school for guitar and he's, uh, he's playing right now. He's, he's unbelievable at guitar, mm-hmm. like just leagues better than me and just so good. And, um, so he's been a great friend and just a solid guy to have around. Um, and you know, just, uh, I think God time has been important to just, you know, diving in the word and staying in that because churches have been a little hit or miss recently with just COVID and all that. And getting plugged in at a church has been rather hard because, you know, but just all the rules and restrictions. And so definitely, you know, having your own relationship with God and your own walk. And that that really helps me stay sane, I think. So since moving to Tennessee, are you involved in any church at this point? Or because of COVID, it's kind of uh, difficult? A little bit. It's been very difficult um, because it's hard to get involved. That's the issue is yeah. that, you know, you can go, but like, you can just listen to the sermon and that's it. And I can also just listen to the sermon like on my phone or on the TV. Like, the issue is like, I love like the Sunday school classes and the small groups and the meetings after church and the lunches and like getting to know people. And like, that's like the, the place where it counts and like the relationship, that's the part of a church is like, you know, you're a body, you have people to like lean on and to, to, to grow with. And, you know, right now it's, it, we're kind of lacking that body in a church because we're all online and we're all, or we're all wearing masks and you can't even see somebody smile. And, you know, you can't, you can't get, closer than six feet or whatever and they're dismissing people in like sections and it's just hard because you know um it's hard as a new person in a church to come in and to get established in a church because they're you know the relationships that are there are still there but it's hard to find relationships in a church right now yeah and i think with everything that's gone on in the world around us over the last eight months or so it's i think people are spending more time with people they always did but more time with people that they work with and immediate family members let let alone you know establishing new relationships with people because they don't have an opportunity to meet with them at all you know whether it's going out for a coffee or grabbing lunch or and, and all the other stuff you're talking about even even you know church specific stuff like the small groups and and uh and meeting people that way it's it's virtually impossible right now it's true and i've been i've been definitely trying to get coffee meetings with people especially people in the industry like um i you know me and colton dixon have some coffee coming up we're, we we wrote a song together and so we're like you know just i'm trying to connect with him you know because he's a great guy and he's kind of knows what I've, i'm going through a little bit in the ccm side of things as a young guy like doing cool music and we're trying to make cool music i'm not gonna say i make cool music <laughs> I'm trying to make cool music and ccm and you know, uh, so I, I, you know, it's been great, like trying to, you know, get closer with him and then Jason Gray, I've been trying to get some coffee with him and, you know, talk to him some more and that's been good. Um, trying my best, but you know, the, it's a weird time. It is. Yeah. I, I like the fact that you're trying to connect with these other artists. Yes. Um, it, obviously it's helpful if they're with the same label because they, you know, the label can initiate a lot of these conversations, uh, and, and get right. you guys together. But, uh, two great guys. We've never had Colton Dixon on the show. We should no, probably yeah, should. We should. We've, we've had Jason Gray. Yeah. We actually had Jason yeah. Gray when he was going through his stuttering spell. Did you know he stutters? Oh, yeah. 
definitely. Yeah. He's so cool about it too. Like just the way he talks about it and, you know, it definitely seems like it's gotten a lot better too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, in fact, it was uh, probably several months after we had him on the show and I saw some stuff that he was posting on social media and also, you know, hearing about concerts and I'm friends with him on Facebook and, and follow him as well. But um, he, it, it seems like when he's in his groove musically, uh, it goes away. In fact, even when we were chatting with him in that particular episode, uh, when we started talking about uh, when it became less of an interview and more of a uh, just how are things going, um, it, the stuttering became less predominant because hmm. he was talking about yeah. stuff that he loved talking about. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I did a little virtual show with him and he you know, when he was in his element, just like killing the game, like he does. And like, you know, talking to the, it was a camera. So he was talking to the camera and, you know, he just like knew his stuff. And I mean, it was so smooth and, you know, it's pretty admirable to watch, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I gotta say, I've been impressed with everything that you've accomplished over the last really, I guess, year, year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything (laughs) from, because, because you really, you started writing music, uh, like what, a few years ago? music in my bedroom when I was like, I mean, honestly, I was like probably 15, about to be 16. And then in Nashville, January of 2019. Right. That's, that's pretty fast. (laughs) Given the fact that Drew and I chat with artists, you know, all the time. And some of these guys have been in the business for years and years and years before they ever get that foot in the door where they want to be either with a label or recognized in Nashville or wherever, you know? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I'm very, very blessed to have had everything move as quickly as it did. And, you know, I think it spoiled me in a way because now I'm like, you know, oh my, well, not me, my dad's like, well, why can't we just get a single on the radio? And I'm like, well, man, you got to oh, come on now. Let's, it's, it's a little slower than that. And, you know, and he's, uh, I love my dad so much. He's like the biggest supporter of the music, but like just the way that everything moves so quickly, like, it's just like we're not and the, everybody else isn't used to it, you know, and mm. it's um, I've written with a lot of artists that have like, you know, worked with labels for four years and then they got signed or five years and they got signed. And it's like, you know, I think age and youth played a big part in that. They wanted to, you know, be able to to use me and, and, and market me while because I have like a different vibe that not, you know, you know there's not anybody in early CCM that is younger on the younger side and like you know, um, at least guys, you know, not many young guys in the industry. And so I think they really wanted to like go with that and just see like where that fit in the genre. And that was something that really helped in a lot of ways, you know? So what does 2021 hold for you? I mean, it's difficult, obviously, to make predictions with everything that's been going on with concerts being canceled, tours being canceled and and everything else. But, you know, is there any kind of plan in place for for the following year? Oh, goodness. I hope so. Um, touring would be amazing. You know, I I miss touring so much. And, you know, that's where a lot of artists make their money. And, you know, that was especially newer artists like me, like that's definitely where we can make a living and, you know, have some substantial income, which is, you know, great. And um, that's been kind of lacking at the moment. And that's okay. But, you know, we really miss it. And so I know spring probably isn't going to have a whole lot of dates and a whole lot of anything. Um, A lot of stuff's like scheduled, but I don't see it all happening. Um, 
And then I think maybe it'll be by fall. Hopefully, I'm really praying and hoping that, you know, we'll get something and we'll have, you know, a tour to get on. And hopefully by then, you know, we'll have some, you know, more success to where we'll have more of a pull to get on tours. But, you know, that never, we, that's never certain and we never know. So, you know, I'm excited to see where all that goes. Um, I have, my booking agent is, uh, he's crazy. He is just fearless and he's pitching me to everybody he possibly can. Um, and so we'll see what comes of it. But um, lots of writing. Um, I've got some really cool stuff in the works with uh, uh, just some people and some exciting songs that I'm really like pumped about and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm hoping to get some more hot AC, CHR, you know, charts and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe some AC at some point, you never know, but I think it's just uh, one step at a time and, you know, trusting that, trusting the label, trusting the process because, you know, I can definitely get a little anxious and get a little jumpy and want to just like, you know, you know, push things quicker than they you know, should go necessarily. And, you know, so I think patience is key in this season, but you know, I'm just I'm trusting and we're going to see what happens. It's hard for a workaholic. I'm telling you. <laughs> it is. It's, it's definitely hard because I definitely want things to happen like right now. And I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm writing as much as I can and uh, as much as possible. And, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely hard, but I'm definitely learned patience in this season. That's definitely something that I've like grown to learn and, and, and I'm still learning to love is patience. I think everybody's forced to that right now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Everything's come to a stop. So good chatting with you, man. It's been, we've been looking forward to this. And so I'm really glad we had this conversation just to hang out with you. Yes, totally. Thank you so much for the opportunity and just taking your time out to just talk with me and ask me some questions and laugh a little bit. Like it was a lot of fun, you guys. It really was. Good, good, good. good. Well, we had a lot of fun too. Yeah, we did. What a great guy. Mm, He's so mm. mature for an 18-year-old. Yeah. That that blows me away. He, yeah. I mean, I'm sure over the last year and a half, he's probably matured far more than <laughs> he ever expected or, or maybe even his family had expected, right? <laughs> totally. Living on his own, uh, living you know, in Tennessee and recording. He's got his own studio, recording stuff. Signed with a label. Yeah. Come on already. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Really, really cool to, to chat and cool to kind of hear some insight on being signed to a label because you don't hear about a label giving so much freedom and flexibility to their artists. Right. Where they want to, they're, they're pretty much saying, hey, artists, be as creative as you want to be. Let's go. And we'll find different ways and creative ways to kind of release the. I, think, la- I think labels are getting smart, though. I think I labels, think are. I think they're yeah. recognizing that they need to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, they're not going to get good artists signed with them because the artists will then just go independent That's and right. do it all on their own anyways. That's right. And then yeah. they lose out. And and there's something to be said about labels, the what they bring to the table as far as, you know, marketing yeah. and yeah, and even sure. producing, you know, getting you into studio with with the great producers, even though Kobe doesn't need that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So yeah, great conversation. Just to yeah. hear what life is like for a, for an eighteen year old in this industry. That's right. So Kobe James on Between the Grooves. What a great chat. Well make sure you check out KobeJames.com to find out all the links and all the music and all the events all social media you just get on this guy's site he is doing some amazing stuff he really is mm-hmm. he really is it is time for artist advice and this week we're hearing from Anna J. Jefferson keep the main thing the main thing styles change uh, fads come and they go be rooted in the unchangeable truth of Jesus Christ that is what reaches the heart that is what causes the leper the leopard to change its spots. It's not the sounds, it's not the styles, it is the redeeming power of the message of the gospel. Keep it about the gospel.
Keep it about the gospel. It's the main thing. It's the core of what we do. I think having that be sort of the central point of everything we do, whether you're creating or whether you are leading worship, it just kind of makes everything grounded in truth. So stop stop trying it. to be cool. I'm totally. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's it's not a competition. Oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. Especially in this industry. Like, like uh, Christian music industry. That's right. That's you know? right. Yeah. yeah. Perfectly said. Stop trying to be cool. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave it at that then. Yes. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Hey, that is it for this week. And next week is our annual Christmas Between the Grooves. <sighs> I'm so excited. Yes. We're going to be bringing back many of our previous guests and uh, having some fun. Yes. Having some conversation. Yes. You do not want to miss it. No. But that is it for this week. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every Monday. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. And that just helps us reach more people. That's right. And if you like the social media stuff, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves. Check us out there. Like it, follow it, and uh, have a little chit-chat with us right there. Because we love social media. Slightly addicted to it, maybe. I know JK is. He's, he has an I'm issue. not. He's you are. He's, he's on it all the time. Daily and nightly. Never. <laughs> have a great day, everybody. Take care. Take care.